All right, folks, thanks for joining us again here in the Knoll Castle. A little bit of a different situation. Uh, Bud's traveling and taking care of some things, but we wanted to get together and provide just an update in general as to the basketball team, but a little bit of a preview uh, for tomorrow's uh, tomorrow being Thursday Gonzaga's game. So a uh, fantastic tournament, fantastic season for Florida State basketball. Uh, the Knoll Cast has been ever so fortunate to be able to fall back on the analysis of uh, – Matt Minnick, and he joins us again from Tomahawk Nation tonight. So, uh, Matt, before I bring you on, just want to real briefly thank uh, Louisiana Hot Sauce, fantastic title sponsor for the Nolcast uh, for the Table Restaurant Group. We would invite everybody to join us down at uh, Madison Social before the spring game and Resolution Home Loans. Uh, uh, people that are so fantastic to work with that Bud has kind of, uh, outside of our own arrangement with them, uh, chosen to pair with them in a pretty significant move for himself. So uh, great sponsors that make the Nolcast possible and allow us to bring in uh, an expert and give you just a little bit of an idea as to what's happened so far and uh, talk a little bit about what you might see when Florida State faces Gonzaga tomorrow night. I appreciate you and, and Louisiana Hot Sauce uh, for making all this possible. So happy to be here. I think the challenge is to uh, appreciate the season as a whole, um, appreciate what Florida State did to a 12 and a 13 seed, uh, respectively, in the first weekend, and maybe not get overly excited in the in the micro, but uh, really kind of bask and try to take in the, the macro of the year that you've put together, the general direction of the program, and just what it means uh, for Florida State basketball in general to operate at the level that it has over the past couple of seasons. And, and again, ending with a – or not ending with, but continuing with a, a second weekend run and uh, a second consecutive tournament. Yeah, I think that perspective, Ingram, is spot on. Um, you know, and so if you'll, if you'll allow me to indulge here for a second, I, you know, there's just some – you know, like you said, to appreciate what the pro- the level at which the program is operating at over the last few years, which which we it should all be framed in the context, right? That operating on a budget that is is significantly less than maybe some of its conference peers, like a not not just a UNC and Duke, but even even folks like a like an NC State or Syracuse or Louisville um, or Wake Forest. I mean, all of those programs, you know prioritize basketball um and so here here you have uh florida state you know leonard hamilton guiding them to their second straight sweet 16 appearance um and third this decade right because they also made it in 2011 um and just for a little context there right like wake forest and georgia tech to to you know name programs georgia tech and the hotbed of talent they haven't even made one sweet 16 since 2004, right? So Florida State's made three now in this decade. Um, you know, Arkansas hasn't made a Sweet 16 since 1996. Uh, USC hasn't made a Sweet 16 since 2007. Uh, Texas hasn't made a Sweet 16 since 2008, right? So all of these programs with more history, more money, more focus on basketball, Florida State's making, you know, not just one, two, three deep appearances in the NCAA tournament um, since they've even made one. So I think there's that. And and then just what Leonard Hamilton's been able to establish in terms of his culture and, and a true program, right? Like a, 
a selfless program that has guys who are willing to sacrifice playing time for the for the betterment of the team. Right. So here's one other stat I'll just throw at you here that's pretty remarkable. Florida State made a Final Four in 1972. Right. That was the kind of the the Dave or the Ron King, and everyone talks about 1972. From 1973 until the day Steve, uh, Leonard Hamilton was hired in the early 2000s, Florida State won eight NCAA tournament games from 73 till the early 2000s. That includes the Pat Kennedy big time run with Bobby Sura, Cassell, all of them. Just this decade, Florida State has now won nine NCAA tournaments. So they won more this decade than they won from the early 70s to the early 2000s. So I think that just kind of puts it all in a perspective of where this, and then it culminates, like you said, in a year where they've set a program record for ACC wins, a program record for total wins, back to back Sweet 16 appearances. And really, you know, some dominating state shooting. It's just been a fantastic ride that the program's been on. Really, I, I'm almost, uh, it's not as though everything was uh, like the halcyon days in that moment since. But I look back at, what was it, nine years ago or so when Florida State was on the road uh, to Clemson and just struggling to finally find the footing that would allow the program to make, um, to make an NCAA tournament. I think they were down by maybe 12 or something like that at some point in that game. They ended up coming back, and I think they ended up winning by uh, double digits, if not more. Um, and the program in that kind of decade, and, and like I said, it's not as though everything's been great, and there's been uh, some periods where uh, the program had to kind of shift its identity, uh, but you've just had this this collective, uh, just this collective level of play that you've continued to set the bar at a higher, higher level over a 10 year period of time. And then really, I think within the past, within the past year, but even within the past six weeks or so, I think the national perception of the program has changed a significant amount. And I I really think that uh, the way that the program is viewed by the, the people of the ACC as well, you're never going to be a blue blood. You're never going to be confused with a Duke or Carolina or anything else, but uh, I do think that the program has done an awful lot, uh, particularly with this last run, uh, to to really kind of shift the way that it's looked. And uh, you're right that they don't have quite the checkbook that uh, some of these other conference schools have in the amount of resources that they, that they dedicate to basketball. But Florida State basketball is, is going to be supported and going to receive a level of support moving forward. I, I, this is not – just a little flash in the pan. I don't think it's a program that uh, is going to maybe have to fight for resources quite as much as it has. I think it's been a real transitional point of time, both how it's viewed uh, by the people inside Tallahassee and the highest levels of uh, the athletic program and also uh, abroad in, in conference and nationally. No, I think, I think that's all very well said. And particularly the part about how maybe they've been sort of validated in the last, like you said, 12 months, but even six to eight weeks. I I think that, you know, three years ago, Florida State kind of burst back on the scene with the John Isaac and Dwayne Bacon, and and, and they finished second in the ACC. But as as March Madness has proven time and again, right, just look look at how Virginia, the best team in the country last year, losing to a 16 seed, 
you know, they, I think they had a bad game in, against Xavier and they lost as a three seed in, in the second round. And, and that in a vacuum that happens, right. You're playing a single elimination tournament. You lose, you have a bad shooting game. It happens. But I think there was probably that like, Oh, well, you know, they're, you just can't trust them. Then, then the elite eight run last year, which was really a catalyst, I think, for what became this year's team. And you saw a lot of those same pieces, like the Terrence Manns and the Kamajis and the um, uh, the Cabangelis, put that next step forward. And and they've the the run they've been on to win 16 out of their last 18 games, including you know multiple wins against NCAA tournament team. I mean, beating Virginia in that stretch. Uh, I think really to your point validated the program and to to the elevation that has happened and the trajectory that it's still on. I mean, this isn't just going to fall off. Next. I mean, yeah, they lose some seniors, but a really good recruiting class coming in. They have guys like Trent Forrest, um, MJ Walker, Biondu Cabangeli, who I think most would expect probably back unless maybe they make a, a true run to like the championship game. So this is a program that to your point is, is kind of ascending and, and, uh, reaching maybe new heights, uh, and and it's really it's really been because of that culture and and just established um, you know mentality that you the toughness that you spoke about that Clemson game maybe a decade ago where they just don't back down from anybody and I think Leonard Hamilton has earned that respect across the country and his teams are certainly given that respect um, now. We'll transition on the Murray State game in Vermont as well, give people a little bit of an idea as to what you took away from those two games and kind of, uh, and we also need to talk about uh, some injuries and situations with the roster that are, you know, going to somewhat dictate how you, uh, how you match up with Gonzaga. But uh, just give me your thoughts on, uh, on Vermont and, and Murray State. Yeah, no, they were, they were unique challenges. Um, Vermont is, was, Frankly, I probably would have picked Vermont to beat a lot of other four seeds. They had a, they have a, they have, you know, an NBA player in Anthony Lamb, and and they have a, a, a coach who has been into March Madness before, and and I mean that that they have an established program for what they are, right? An American East Conference program, uh, and remember, they're in the same conference that UMBC beat Virginia last year. Um, so I, t- to be honest, they dominated Vermont. Um, I mentioned it earlier. I mean, they statistically just impose their will against against a team that they were better than now vermont had some guys who tipped me vermont is a 35 percent shooting team on the season from three-point range and they went 16 of 32 you know so not a math major but hit, hit half their shots at a high volume which is some of that is just luck i mean some of these were late in the shot clock 25 feet away and and they fell and so that made the score in the end a little bit closer maybe than what the what the result would be. But if, if, if it's crazy to say that if Vermont only, right, in my, in my air quotes here, only hit 10 threes, <laughs> which is still a good performance, that, you know, Florida State would have won by 20 or 25 points. And then you move into the Murray State game where they're facing, you know, maybe one of the two or three most hyped players in the country, John ja Morant, who, who deserves the hype, right? He's an incredible talent. He had triple double in the first round, single-handedly just sort of ran roughshod through through a solid Marquette team, um, and again, Florida State just completely imposed their will. And Murray State tried to run with Florida State and tried to go up tempo, and that did not work. Um, you know, Florida State used their depth 
to just wear down and run away, really just ran them off the court. And it was a game that was a 28 point margin that probably could have been 38 or 40 points if, if, you know, we weren't looking to um, save, save some energy for, for the next round. Probably the only bad thing to come out of the Murray State game, which is kind of leads us into the next, what you were just alluding to, is that David Nichols was rolled up on um, and had his ankle hurt. And, and that compounded the fact that Phil Kofer already has a foot injury and some personal issues that he's dealing with and his family. Uh, so you're right there, you know, maybe let's get into that. But the roster is not full right now. It's not a 100% stock cupboard um, with the depth that Hamilton would like to have. Yeah, the Kofer story is, has been a, a very interesting one in some, you know, place where uh, tons of people have written about it and spoken about it. And if you're a Florida State basketball fan, you're aware as to the um, <clears throat> situation involving him. So uh, we won't spend a ton of time breaking that down other than to note that you're missing a, a very dynamic defender and, and a guy who hasn't necessarily showed the game to pair with it, but nonetheless was your leading scorer last year and not something you just want to dismiss. And then the, the Nichols injury is a real interesting one. He's all but been uh, labeled out for the game by his head coach at this point in time. A guy who plays a really interesting role this year as he was kind of the guy at his previous stop. And you can still see that moments of his game. You can see that when he, you know, backs down Virginia's point guard on uh, three out of four possessions or so. You can see where he's still comfortable feeling like an alpha and playing like an alpha. Uh, but at the same time has really kind of taken exceptionally well to his role and provided you a great defense, uh, a timely long shot, a, a guy that, uh, you know, at this point in the season, you don't want to miss anybody for any game, but a guy that will be very, very significantly missed, I feel. I, th- I think you're right, you know, and he he's a, he's a ball handler too, right? So everything that you mentioned in terms of his being able to back down a smaller guard or Hit, you know, be a threat from the perimeter. He had he had shown some really strong defense defense um, lately. There's several games that maybe he jump started a run with some seals or you know just applying ball pressure away from, you know out 30 40 feet away from the hoop. But he's also a ball handler. He's a guy that if if it's a three or four point game with two or three minutes to go and the team's trying to trap mm-hmm. you, you know you want a guy like that on the court. You want him and Trent to ha- to be both in there at the same time. He's a free throw shooter. You know, he's a senior who's been there, done that, played in a lot of high pressure games. Um, so it's nice to have a guy that can step to the line and knock down free throws. Um, so, yeah, it, there's no question that if he is unable to go, that is on top of Phil Kofer being unable to go, that those are those are leadership losses. Those are actual tangible skill set losses. And it really takes away a little bit of what, I mean, what Florida State does best, which is just wear you out. I mean, that's just two fewer guys and 10 fewer fouls. In regards to, uh, we'll, we'll take a look at kind of Kofor's minutes and responsibility and where that might fall. Would uh, big boy Gray be the first guy that you would think would, would start to absorb some of his responsibility? Hell of a, hell of a skill set on that kid, by the way. He's like... Uh, He's like Pooh Bear Williams with Terrell Buckley's brain in him or something like that. He's, he's such a big physical guy, but he, he creates so many turnovers and he doesn't just he doesn't just create a steal. I mean he he, he he's running forty feet down the court and laying it in for two. I don't know that I've ever seen a big guy 
just create so much offense by by obstructing the passing lanes. He is he is unique, that's for sure. Um, and, and so to answer your first question, yeah, I do think that whether he's ready or not, Raekwon Gray is going to be needed to to play a large role. Uh, no no pun intended uh, with his size against Gonzaga. I mean, Gonzaga has multiple 6'8 to 6'10 guys who can both step out and shoot um, from the perimeter and also, um, you know, score with efficiency down low. So, yes, Raekwon Gray is going to have to fill a lot of those minutes uh, that Phil Cooper would have played, and he's going to have to do it efficiently and not foul. But so to, that kind of brings to your point that he he does have an intriguing skill set, and he, he's a guy that was, you know, he was actually not a top 100 guy, but a four star, borderline four star recruit. You know, fairly well thought of coming out of Fort Lauderdale, and um, he he showed up overweight, and so he redshirted last year. But you know, just for folks who were able to see him in practice, which which I was on a few occasions, he he certainly possesses. You know, he's like a poor man's Draymond Green, maybe. I mean, uh, or a taller Charles Bart. I mean, he possesses an amount of hand quickness and and lateral quickness that you just don't see for maybe people with with his weight and size, uh, which which I think as he, you know, he's sort of starting to put the pieces together now. Folks haven't even seen how good of a passer he is. Uh, I've seen him in practice really um, be a nice passer. So he he can, as we talk about the program being on good footing moving forward, he is a really interesting piece over the next couple of years. But but right now, in this current situation, he's going to have to play the best game of his career against Gonzaga, going up against, um, again, multiple guys capable of scoring at, you know, multiple levels. Necessarily, do you see uh, having to absorb some of Nichols' responsibility? Well, I think Anthony Polite uh, is a good candidate. If, if for nothing else, his defense. We saw that against, uh, you know, there were several times where Polite was just on an island by himself against John Morant. So, um, you know, I think I think he's a guy that defensively can give you what Nichols provides. Now, Polite does not. He's a redshirt freshman himself. Um, he he did look a little more confident at the end of that Murray State game when he hit a couple threes, and hopefully that's good for him, right? I mean, his, mm-hmm. his father is a, a was a shooter, so maybe that's something for him to build on. But he just doesn't have the right now. He doesn't have that kind of senior level confidence and swag that a guy like David Nichols, who's been through the fire, you know, and led his team in scoring up at Albany, um, has. So. I think that maybe you're going to have to kind of get multiple guys, right? Like if Devin Vassell is is ready to go, he, he sort of got banged up a little bit after making an incredible block uh, against Murray State. I, I'm hearing that he's practiced and should be okay without any setbacks. He's someone that maybe can give you the offense and the perimeter shooting. Um, and and then even maybe, maybe a few minutes even from a Wyatt Wilkes. Um, you know, he hasn't played mm-hmm. a lot this year, but – He's a capable ball handler, uh, and he's a capable defender, especially being a little bit longer. So, you know, maybe you 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 can't you can't replace it all in one, but you can get you know ten or twelve minutes defensively from Anthony Polite. You can get twelve or fifteen minutes from Vassell, uh, and and hope that he's making some threes. 
and getting in passing lanes and then maybe Wyatt can come in and spell folks for a minute here, a minute there. You mentioned uh, the name John Morant there. We won't get too, ty- too uh, sidetracked having a, a laugh at some of the media, but uh, I think the the headliner for me was the fact that uh, the play-by-play guy said this phrase, uh, Matt, John Morant looking to spark a late comeback <laughs> with 90 seconds left in the game, down by 30. Yeah. And that was not said with, with sarcasm or anything else. Uh, huh. I, I did catch that one as well. A late comeback, 90 seconds. 30 points. Yeah. Unless this is a jock jam or whatever the hell that MTV basketball game way back in the day was where you had a 25-point shot or whatever it was. Uh, I don't know. What was what was, so, was Xavier Rattan Mays, I think, put up like 30 points in four minutes or something like that? Or, I, I, But this, you're right. This was, uh, this was like with a minute and a half to go and just absurd. But, yeah. 30 points. Definitely. Late comeback. So, Matt, you might have seen, if not, I'm not trying to throw it at you blindly, but uh, Michael Rogner has a great piece on Tomahawk today about uh, just a general scouting report of Gonzaga. It's kind of his overview there was that their their defense may not be quite as good as it looks statistically, but their their offense is, uh, is, is everything that it looks like and is something that's going to test Florida State at a level that you know, maybe maybe you haven't seen other than the two, uh, you know, the two blue bloods in the heart of North Carolina there. Yeah, no, and I did. I was fortunate enough to um, see that article today. I mean, what can we say about Mike Rogner, right? That he's just uh, his, his ability to break down teams um, is is very very uh, well crafted. And and he, you know, folks, some folks might not know this, but he um, watches a lot. Of, he lives out on the West Coast, watches a lot of West Coast basketball. So he, he's probably seen Gonzaga mm-hmm. more frequently than most. Um, and I, I mean, I don't, I, he said it, he probably said it all better than I can, but you're right. The, while Phil Cove, or excuse me, while, while the FSU offense will be going up against a good unit, right? And, and Gonzaga's defense is good, but Florida State has faced better defenses. Um, the, the Gonzaga offense is just lethal, especially now that they have Killian Tilly back, uh, who, who is a guy who, you know, probably isn't in full 100% shape. But folks may not remember that last year, you know, Gonzaga was kind of dealing with what Florida State is this year with, with you know, Phil Kofer being mm-hmm. out. Last year, Killian Tilly, he was a late scratch, you know, the day before, the day of the game. And, and so that impacted their rotations a bit. And it impacted their ability to space the floor. Uh, with him out there, you know, you know, you put him, you pair him with a Brandon Clark or a Rui Hachimura. And they, one of your bigs has to go out and defend Tilly away from the basket leaving the other one on an island, um, you know, to deal with one of the other two big guys. And, Lord, if they put all three of them on the court at the same time, I, I don't know that we actually have an ability to stop that other than, you know, sometimes the best defense is foul trouble uh, for the other team. So so maybe it, maybe it's incumbent upon someone like a Trent Forrest or a Terrence Mann to go right into their chest. But this, this is going to be quite a challenge to stop the Gonzaga offense. And, and I think that it's going to be – you know, Florida State's going to have to hit some shots from the perimeter. They can't fall behind by eight or ten points early. They're going to have to have PJ or Devin Vassell or MJ Walker or <laughs> Terrence Mann or somebody is going to have to hit 
some early shots from the perimeter to to a give Florida State a little bit of a lead that you can be more aggressive with on defense and b force Gonzaga to spread themselves out on on when they're on defense and allow the slashers to start to get to work because when you're slashing to the basket that's when you're getting fouls on people. I was gonna say that's where old PJ PJ Savoy comes in. I think I, I thought about that this weekend. The way that he's played this year, I don't know if he's quite. I don't know if he can quite win you a game, and I don't know if he can quite like shoot you out of a game real early. But I think he can. He can get kind of close on both of them. Certainly not. He's not going to win you the game with four threes or anything like that. But he can get you started at such a level, uh, or he can I, put I you agree. in such a hole that you you just have to wonder: is it even worth having him out there? I'll say this year that because of guys like well, and now you know now we may not nickel, have nickels, so maybe. And this is a little different, but because of guys like Polite, Vassell, Nichols, if he was available, I will say that I've noticed that Coach Hamilton has been a bit quicker to to hook PJ when, you know, bring him out. So maybe last year he might go over six before he got that hook. Um, whereas this year, if he's over three, typically he's when I, I haven't seen him shoot us out. Of, I mean, we've only lost seven games all year, so I haven't seen him shoot us out of a game. I I do agree with you, though, that. He may not win the game with early three-point shooting, but he absolutely changes the game with early three-point shooting. And when he the games that he's able to come out and knock down two of his first three or three of his first four, yeah, those those games you see a remarkable difference in how the opponent has to defend Florida State, and and that's really when Florida State's working at its highest potential. Um, I, I was. I was traveling and out in Fort Worth actually during the ACC tournament and sitting with uh, various Florida State alums and you know got grads and stuff and shout out to uh, my boy Nick for arranging some of that. But um, he you know he kind of asked, well, is this the best you've seen Florida State play? And, and I think that Virginia game probably was. There was a period there where we pulled away where we reached a level maybe that we hadn't played yet, and that period coincided. Mm-hmm with PJ making some threes, you saw the same thing in the Murray state game where it was maybe like a seven or eight point game. And then all of a sudden he hits three threes and it's game over. And, and from there, Florida state's able to kind of put the clamps down. They're going to need that against Gonzaga. They, they can beat Gonzaga with their a game. They cannot beat Gonzaga with their B plus game. So we talked about, uh, we talked about Hachimura and Clark, uh, both guys that are somewhat, Similar in uh, physical composition to both of them. They're both six foot eight, six foot nine. Uh, both of them are likely to be uh, first round picks. Anybody else that you would uh, kind of point out? I know Perkins is a, a little bit of an older guard, a guy who's uh, been pretty successful shooting from shooting from deep, and gives them a a little bit of the old cliched veteran presence as well. Yeah, Perkins Perkins is good. Zach Norville's good. Uh, he's a guy we recruited, thought thought for a minute that he might come here. I don't know that I would single any one of them specifically out other than just to say that, you know, kind of everything we just said about Florida State, right? If if Norville or Perkins or anybody else on Gonzaga, really, other than those kind of big three, you know, big guys, if they hit a couple early threes, that's going to make it even more challenging to – to defend the interior against Hachimura and Clark. So I, I think early ball pressure um, and being, you know, Trent really going to need him to to be on his game there and Terrence, um, but early ball pressure to maybe force guys to either 
take a contested shot that's you know off balance or or just pass it up right and and maybe pass into a force a pass into the passing lanes or out of bounds and just kind of you don't have to necessarily get live ball turnovers or that'd be great but just early in the game just disrupt them a little bit don't let them get comfortable mm-hmm. I think that could be a big deal uh, with our guards versus theirs out on the perimeter so that they're not just firing away open threes. Um, Cause if they're making those, well, then now you got to step out to that. Well, then who's guarding Clark underneath. Right. Yeah. Certain level of physicality that Florida state played with last year was not something that Gonzaga looked like they were uh, capable or, or real used to seeing. So it's a more physical uh, Gonzaga team this year, a more physically gifted Gonzaga team. Uh, so I don't think you're going to go out and just bulldoze them, but uh, be good to, you know, be good to re- remind them of uh, of the experience that they had with you last year and uh, the fact that you did just provide such a ridiculous mismatch. Right. I, I'll tell you one thing that's a little, not it's not even a concern per se, there's nothing to do about it, but you know how last year Florida State had that mindset against Xavier where Xavier really kind of blew them out two years ago, and they came into that Xavier game thinking, that, you know, we're not going to let that happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it would be, it would almost be nicer if Gonzaga hadn't seen our physicality. I mean, the fact that they, they now have tape they can go back to from last year, and they know exactly what, what to expect. Now, there's still something to be said for seeing that in practice, right? You just can't simulate 7-4 in practice, and you can't simulate the, the kind of physical presence that a Fiondu Cavangeli brings off the bench, and you certainly can't simulate the length that Terrence Mann, De- Devin Vassell, and Trent Forrest, just their arms in the passing lanes, that's just different than what they see in the West Coast Conference. But they've seen it before. They saw it last year. So I'm a little, I'm wondering if they're going to be able to make some adjustments the way Florida State was the second year when they got the rematch against Xavier. A great point to to point out there. You have a, uh, you have anything else you want to add about the game or you feel comfortable kind of giving a prediction or an idea as to how it might play out? No, I don't know that there's too much to add other than that. Again, just it's it's so exciting that we're here in, you know, late March still talking FSU basketball and, and on the big stage, you know, they I saw they gave them the CBS uh, game as opposed to the TNT or TBS. So, like you said earlier, someone's taken notice. Um, I think it. I think it's going to be a. Honestly, it might be the most compelling Sweet 16 matchup of of the entire round. Although I'm I'm also mm-hmm. very much looking forward to Duke and Virginia Tech with with Justin Robinson healthy. Um, I you know you've just got. It should be fun basketball to watch, right? You've got two teams who enjoy getting up and down the court, who are long, athletic, uh, and and skilled in various um, respects. And you have two coaches who have been here and understand both the magnitude of the game, but also the intricacies of the game and how to make those in-game adjustments with Mark Few and Leonard Hamilton. So I think it should be, I think it'll be closer than last year's game. I, I, my it's a game of runs, so my guess is is you'll see both teams maybe up um, six or seven at one point, but no team is really ever truly able to create that distance, and it's and it's going to come down to execution in the last four minutes would be my bet. And while it's very it's while I would feel much better if Phil Cofer was in the lineup because that would be that third guy to really defend against Gonzaga's big three guys. 
with Leonard Hamilton's track record in close games down the stretch, um, both in ACC competition and NCAA tournament competition, it's hard for me to go against that. So I'll um, I'll cautiously optimistic say that it's a it's, it comes down to the last four minutes and Florida State pulls out a close one, uh, getting getting a play from one of its seniors um, that you know steps up big. Terrence Mann continues the uh, the. The sure. Terrence Mann tour good the as past any. couple games have been here. Yeah. yeah. It's a shot reminiscent uh, of the Virginia with, Tech one, maybe. With that, uh, yeah, it's kind of what got this whole process started here. With that in mind, we won't spend a ton of time doing this, but if, if I told you you could choose between Michigan or Texas Tech, is there one that uh, that you'd immediately want to? I know kind of uh, not uh, carving copies of each other at all, but both teams that play pretty physically, play good levels of defense, uh, it'd be an interesting matchup on the other side of the bracket there. Yeah, I think it's a good question, and especially since you know there is a decent chance that Florida State wins, or at least a puncher's chance. Um, so I say, if that were the case, I say give me um, Texas Tech, uh, and I say that because uh, Michigan and Texas Tech are are both excellent excellent defensive teams texas tech might actually be the best defensive team in the country uh no offense to virginia but um texas tech is a team similar to vermont and murray state in that offensively they really revolve around one guy Jarrett colbert and that guy is excellent he's an nba player but leonard hamilton has an ability to shut down single guys uh that is i mean <laughs> there's one thing florida state can do well is devise a game plan to shut down your best player uh, and take them out of the game. So while they're both extremely strong defensively, and both of them, I think, would present matchup problems, give me Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Well, man, we've been uh, we've been exceptionally lucky to be able to draw upon you throughout the course of the season. A, a fantastic season it's been. Um, probably the most enjoyable basketball season that I can remember taking part in. Certainly, uh, certainly since you know maybe the early to mid '90s, but. Uh, um, just want to thank you again. You've been a, a great resource for us and have been very fortunate to be able to lean upon you and give our listeners a, a much more nuanced look at what's been going on in basketball. Yeah, no, it's been fun. Uh, hopefully we have we have one more of these in us, right? Hopefully we're talking this time next week, gearing up for a, for a Final Four. But I appreciate y'all just having me on consistently. And, um, you know, maybe we'll get an off-season update here. And, and I think you know, looking forward to another another strong year next year too. So, I appreciate it. Yeah, we're gonna have you two on two more times. We got a uh, emergency national uh, championship podcast uh, scheduled. That's right. So That's right. Uh, from the parade, we're marching on down the road here. Yep. <laughs> all right, man. Certainly appreciate your time tonight. Thank you very much, and uh, all the listeners will have Bud back. It'll be a little bit more of our normal formatting, but uh, just wanted to get you something out before uh, Thursday night's game.